Welcome to this week's episode of A Question of Code. We're really lucky this week to be joined by Vaidehi Joshi, who is a senior engineer at Forum, uh, where she builds community and helps improve the software careers of millions of people. Um, and this is kind of linked to Dev2 as well. I don't know if you wanted to maybe jump in and briefly say something about that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, Forum is the open source software that powers uh, one of the communities that is called Dev, which a lot of uh, software engineers are familiar with. So you may be fami familiar with Dev, dev.to, um, but the open source software that's actually powering that is a product called Forum. So we've recently changed our name to that. Fantastic. Yeah, because I'm, I'm sure Tom does as well, but I spend a lot of time reading stuff on dev.to. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic resource. <laughs> yeah, and it's a really nice, um, yeah, the community aspect of it and the the way that the interactions all happen is, is just wonderful. I really like it there. I'm so <laughs> glad nice. to hear that. <laughs> um, yeah, but apart, apart from that, Vida, you you're also, I'm telling you, but you, you also are the co-host of Base CS, which is kind of one of the reasons I asked you on this podcast, because um, this is your own podcast that you've done about computer science. And, and I think this, this kind of grew out of uh, a, a blog post blog post series mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> is that the best way of saying it fantastic um yeah so welcome to the show thank you so much for having me i'd, I'd love to start if, if, if it's all right with just a, a quick behind the scenes uh look at the the base cs podcast because it sounds effortless listening to it it just sounds like <laughs> a natural conversation but it's it's getting over very complicated topics in a very simple way. So I, I suspect perhaps you don't just turn up and hit record and it happens. Um, no, there's a, there's definitely a little bit of preparation that goes into it. Um, all of the episodes are based on the written content. Um, and the written content is really geared towards simplifying these concepts so that, you know, you strip away, you know, the code behind it. You strip away, like, you know, the... The implementation aspects and like all of the little nitty gritty things of that make those concepts hard to grasp. And once you strip those things away, it's like, okay, what are we actually trying to do here? Like, what is this data structure or what is this algorithm? Because there are lots of layers that can make it complicated. But if you understand the fundamentals, then I think building on that is pretty easy. So that's what the written blog series tried to do. But as you can imagine, once you take away visuals, uh, once you take away diagrams and drawings, now you have a new challenge of how do I explain these very fundamental concepts with no visuals to supplement what I'm trying to do. Um, so I think the hard part about the podcast is you have the content and then you have to sort of behind the scenes figure out how you're going to talk about it. A lot of the times there are great examples from the post that you can use. But like, I think what was really fun and challenging about the Base CS podcast is when you have people who are having a conversation, you can very quickly figure out if like something is very complicated and you're going to lose your listeners and you have to sort of, you know, take a step back and be like that. And then nothing you just said made sense. How can we explain this in a different <laughs> way? So there's there's a behind the scenes element of like figuring out what will be digestible. And I'm super grateful to Saran, my co-host on that uh, podcast, because she's very good at like helping me figure out how to break things down and explain them. And I think like she always sort of played the role of student and I played the role of teacher in that dynamic. Um, and you need both aspects to make content that's like digestible and accessible and friendly. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've had a similar 
tough moments, haven't we, when we've tried to maybe almost explain something by like reading out a line of code, and you just can't yeah. you can't do anything like that on a <laughs> on a pod, on a, in audio form. It just doesn't doesn't work, does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's definitely tricky. Yeah, well, you definitely do an excellent job of explaining those concepts, and I think it's one of the great like one of the podcasts I listen I really really enjoyed listening to because of that. I mean, the rapport that you and Saron have is just. It's really nice. You you obviously like each other, and it's a really like it's an entertaining thing to watch. And it's like the classic thing of like all my favorite podcasts. I think like oh they they could be my friends. I feel like I know these people, even though yeah. it's only like a tiny tiny snippet in their lives. But it's a yeah, it's the it's a fun listen as well as educational. So if anyone who's listening to this hasn't listened to the Base CS podcast, we think you should definitely go and go and have a listen because it's excellent. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to make. And we are friends in real life. So that also helps, I think. (laughs) It's just like, you know, two friends just like hanging out, just occasionally talking about computer science, you know, and like also all these other things that come up too. Fantastic. I was wondering if we maybe could just take a step back now and just um, maybe hear a bit more about how you got started in programming and coding and kind of how what your pathway was. We have a lot of self-taught developers. We've also spoken to people who've done computer science degrees. So it'd be interesting to hear kind of your take on how how you learned all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, So my path is also a bit non-traditional in that I don't have a computer science degree. My degree is actually in English, Um, hence like my my, me gravitating towards like always writing things down. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) I I used to be in um, I used to be a teacher for a little bit and I was working as a freelance writer for a while um, and I sort of started just dabbling in building my own website um, and the story behind this is that I was working as a freelance writer and when you are pitching to publications this is like back in 2013 14. They would ask you for, you know, your portfolio and they were like, oh, just send us a website if you have one. And I was like, well, I don't have a website. Well, I can just make one. <laughs> and I started off with like, you know, those like website builder thingies that like, I guess, pre-Squarespace, whatever those were, like the Wix yep. <laughs> and the Weeblies. And I felt really annoyed by like how constrained I was with their their uh, platform. And I was like, I just want to do this thing. And this other person has this spinny loader thing on their website. How do I do that? And so I would just sort of like kept playing with it and working at it. And I actually ended up having more fun with that. And I like no longer was interested in building the website for its purpose (laughs) anymore. Um, But yeah, I just started sort of teaching myself HTML, CSS, a little bit of JavaScript. And I, at that point, I sort of learned that there was so much more to just like that static front end that I was playing with. Like I started diving into the the whole world that is web apps. So um, my dad is actually, he's been in software for like his whole career and he saw me doing this and he was like, maybe you want to learn a backhand language. Like there's this thing called Rails. It's really easy to get started with. You could build like more than what you're building now. You should check it out. And I went to like a couple Rails girls workshops and I was like, oh, this is fun. How do I just do this all the time? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it was that point that I was like, okay, I want to like really commit to learning as much as I can as quickly as I can. So I ended up going to a programming boot camp. I went to the Flatiron School um, in New York. So that's sort of like how it all got started. And I haven't really looked back since. It's uh, it's interesting how you said you you 
you've kind of started off there with kind of web dev, but then gravitated more into the the back end stuff. Which I'm a I'm a keen person in the back end. Tom's more of the front end. So, but a lot of the people we we hear about that are starting to code kind of maybe gravitate to the front end. And I think it's really it's really good to kind of hear that it, you can also gravitate towards the back end as well. Yeah, which is kind of what got me more interested in it. Yeah, yeah. I think the the front end aspect was more fun for me to start with because I, you know, with front end, you can very easily see your changes in real time. That feedback loop is so quick, um, especially mm -hmm. if your knowledge is like f still pretty elementary. You may not know how to get that kind of feedback with back end. Um, but then once you know enough about front end, then you're like, oh, wait, there's this whole other world of back end that I get to talk to. What's going <laughs> on there? Um, and I would say like in some ways I have gotten even deeper into the back end aspect of things. Um, like I'm really interested in distributed systems and like systems level programming now. But then there's also like a distributed systems aspect to front end and front end is extremely hard. So like once you start digging into like the core concepts of how these things work, you start to see them everywhere. And then like it's very hard to, you know, um, love one more than the other because now you're like, oh, but this, you know, front end's hard in this way and servers are hard in this way and writing a script is hard in this way. And like, <laughs> oh my God, how do you manage a network? It's, <laughs> it's just like, there's so much to learn. And I, that's like one of my favorite things about our industry is just like, you will never get bored. Yeah, it's it's endless, isn't it? Yes, good. <laughs> it's is, a good and bad thing. A good thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you get bored, there's always like a different bit of it that you can <laughs> look into. Yeah, yeah. So that that kind of, I guess that kind of interest in kind of the more of the, well, going deeper into our, our career, it, that kind of took you towards the, the computer science side of things. Because through all your basic things, like you've, you've explained linked lists and all that trees and hash tables and stuff like that. But those generally aren't things that I, I I've never come across I've never had to write one or like actually deal with one other than directly through the language and I don't pretty sure Tom you've never had to deal with anything like that oh, well, that that right? well I, I thought I hadn't oh. I mean one of the things one of the reasons I went back to to I went back to the first series of base CS recently because I've actually found myself in a situation where I've I've written a something with something with horrible big O uh, results. <laughs> I, I'm looping through things way too many times, and it was awful. I was like, "Oh no, I recognize I, I recognize the symptoms of this problem. I know why it's getting harder. The more things I add, this is yeah. It was yeah, really useful to go back to those fundamentals. So I, I feel like there are probably more instances where these things sneak in than I first realized. Yeah, I I think I agree with that too. I think when I started. When I started being curious about computer science and like the core fundamentals of it, I hadn't necessarily encountered it in my job, but it would come up in technical interviews or like sometimes people would talk about traversing a tree. And I was like, what? Why? Um, when? <laughs> like, neither of these have I encountered. Um, but it actually does come up if you start um, if you start looking into like source code um, or um, compilers or interpreters, um, linters, like a lot of these, a lot of the tooling and the frameworks and languages that we rely on and use every day do have those things powering them under the hood. And very likely you can not ever have to know about them. Um, in fact, I firmly believe that you don't need to know computer science to get into, um, in, to get into software at all. Like, I never really even 
thought about learning it till two years into my career. And that was not because I was like, oh, I need to write a linked list. I was just like, what are people talking about? Um, <laughs> so you probably can get away with not knowing it. But I do think it's really helpful at a certain point in your career to understand those fundamentals, just like what you mentioned, Tom, with the big O notation, just to have that in the back of your mind, like the core concept of, of what is going on so that if you need to, you can always pull it out. Um, or if you run into it in a language or a framework, you're like, oh, they're doing this. Interesting. So like, I know what they're doing. I don't need to worry about implementing it, but like, I know it. And it's helpful sometimes to know that, even if it doesn't mean that you have to be the one writing the code for it. I think one thing that I want, I always wonder is how much of this, of like the, the computer science fundamentals are, if you, you don't need them when you first start out, but if you were able, if someone was to point you in the right direction, like what, what, I don't know how to phrase this as a question. <laughs> like what, I want to say, what, what are the benefits of knowing some of that? that? That feels a bit blunt and aggressive. I think, I feel like you'd probably, if you learned some of these fundamentals at the very start, you'd have a leg up. It would be an advantage to you. Um, do you think the same or do you think people should, if someone's listening to this who is in just learning or in their first year, year on the job, will it be useful to them, aside from intellectual curiosity, to look into the fundamentals of like, CS? That is a very good question. I tend to believe that the best time to learn something is when you have something compelling you to learn it. So that might be a problem that you run into that might be um, a bug or something that you're looking into or it might just be you saying okay I just want to know how this works and I'm going to like hit my head against a wall and go through the process of learning and that's when I'm going to figure it out and part of the reason I believe this is because if you don't have a will or a compulsion or some driving force you will probably abandon the learning process um I know this from personal experience, but I've also <laughs> seen it happen time and again. Yeah. Um, and I think like people are ready to learn this at different times. Like I think some people might enter into tech and say, like, I really want to know the fundamentals. Like it's really important to me. I'm going to learn it. And someone else might say, I'm not going to worry about it until I really encounter it. And I'm really stumped. And that I'm probably in that um, latter category where I was like, ah, I don't need to know this until one day I woke up and I was like, oh, I do need to know this. And now I got to go figure it out. So I don't think that you necessarily have to know it, um, and I don't think it will necessarily give you a leg up unless there's some rationale behind it. Because if there's not a driving force, you will probably not even remember those things that you're learning. But if you are like, I want to build um, some program that can, you know, traverse through a tree. Well, you have a, you know, a motivation there, and you're like, one year later, you can say, man, I wrote this program. I didn't ever do anything with it, but I learned this and I will never forget it. And so there's like something to like really solidify your experience. And it sort of has to coalesce around you wanting to get past that learning phase and the struggle that is the learning process. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. And I wonder on top of that then, do you think there are maybe, uh, well, aside from that, are there maybe some kind of fundamentals, like one or two things that are like a really good or just like maybe the way of thinking that you do and when you're dealing with computer science problems that would be really useful for dealing with other problems? Yeah, I think the thing that I've learned about, um, or I guess rather what I would say is the thing that I've taken away from computer science and what I've taught myself from it is that it's all about trade-offs. 
And at the end of the day, learning computer science is just a big lesson in learning the trade-offs of things. So you can use six different algorithms to achieve something. And very quickly, you might realize that there are lots of trade-offs with four of them, but two of them work better for your, you know, for your use case than something else. And the same goes with a data structure. You can organize data and information in lots of different ways, and probably you could do it in more than one way, but there's probably one way that works the best for what you're trying to do. And so it's if you're evaluating the runtime or the like how well an algorithm performs or which data structure is the most effective, all of it is really just like knowing what tools you have available to you and then figuring out what the trade-offs are and making a decision. Because at the end of the day, like nobody can necessarily tell you do it this way or do it this other way if you're, you know, creating something for the first time. Um, but once you implement it, you might look back on it and be like, oh, this is not that efficient or, oh, this other thing works better for what I'm trying to do. And these days in computer science, people are pretty clear on like, don't ever use a linked list. Like you just don't see them in the wild that much. Or like, don't use bubble sort because it's terrible runtime. But (laughs) there's value in going through the experience of trying to figure out what the trade-offs are of one of those algorithms or one of those data structures. So I think the value is like, understanding what the decisions are in choosing one thing over another in terms of like what can you take from computer science to your daily life and to your job on an everyday basis because I would assume most people aren't going to go and become computer scientists most of us are just like trying to build stuff (laughs) and so if you're not going into academia you really are using it as like a card in your wallet where you're like okay I can rely on this knowledge you're not probably spending your whole time thinking about you know papers and research and all that kind of stuff Mm. that talking about like deciding what to use at what point is something that i definitely came across a lot when i was first starting to learn and i i knew like a dictionary and a a list and they're not quite the same things but like i I had those cases of not knowing which one was best to use for like a certain set of data Mm -hmm. and i think i've looked into cs a little bit like i've listened to the podcast i've i've done some bits here and there but i think it's just that like you were saying you kind of you get that kind of feeling about the, what's the best thing to use in a certain situation um and yeah yeah I'm yeah i think it's agreeing. it's just <laughs> like it's just like a helpful thing but it shouldn't block you from learning either which is really funny coming i feel like sometimes i say that and people are surprised because they're like oh aren't you like hardcore computer science and i'm like no i'm hardcore learning things like it doesn't have to be computer <laughs> science but like if that's what you want to learn you should be able to find the content and the resources and like you should have the faith that you can learn it because i think it's one of those fields that's like a little in its ivory tower you know <laughs> a little gatekeepery <laughs> uh for better or for worse and i i guess i i just want people to know that like you don't need to let it stop you but by all means don't be blocked by this big wall that is computer science and think you can't get around it yeah i think it's great that you've picked this all up having done uh degree in English (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I've come a long way from that but uh, somehow I've managed to like marry the two together which is kind of nice ideal now we just need to find some use for our music degrees Ed (laughs) (laughs) it's never gonna happen is it (laughs) (laughs) they always said maths and music were so closely linked but I never got the uh, never got it Um, I want to dig in, if you don't mind, a little into you talking about the the ivory towerness of computer science, how it can be. Um, it often seems that a lot of people are learning these basic computer science fundamentals 
solely to pass technical interviews. Do you think mm-hmm. that's do you think that's true? And do you think that's a bad thing if it is? Uh, yeah, I wish that you wouldn't have to do that. Um, because to me, that lends itself to, you know, rote memorization or just learning things for the sake of being able to spew them back out the next day or whatever. Um, that's not like that's not to say that people there aren't people out there who are actually grasping the concepts. I'm sure there are. But I I feel like the motivation of learning something just to get over the hoop is really unfortunate um, because First of all, I don't think that we should be evaluating people based on whether they can like reverse, you know, some sort of data structure or like know how to traverse it. Because as we've all discussed, like how many of us do that in our job? Like you don't. Um, And so why should we evaluate people based on a thing that they're not going to do in their jobs? I do really like the idea of like having the ability in your job to learn these things if you're interested in them, because they are just like. They're, they're concepts that you can implement with any kind of language, and it's a fun problem to solve. Um, but it shouldn't be like a gate that you have to get through in order to get a job. And I know there are a lot of companies that like very clearly are like, if you want to get a job here, you must read this book, and then you must pass. You must know how to do all these things. And if you pass that, you'll get a job. And it's like, if you're not doing that for your daily, you know, if you're not doing that for your nine to five, why do we need to get through that, you know, obstacle? But... I guess this is a very long-winded <laughs> way of me saying I don't think it should be a part of technical interviews. But if someone is learning it because they're interested in it, I think that's that's like a valid reason to learn anything. Um, and it probably doesn't like it probably doesn't hurt that you learn it to get through a technical interview. But I just don't feel like you should have to. So part of me just feels like we should be removing that from that entire process. Um, and I'm, I'm never going to, like, get upset with somebody for learning computer science for whatever reason they want to. But I just worry sometimes that if you're doing it just to get around this obstacle that the industry has created, like, are you really distilling the information? Will it really stay with you? Um, is your time well spent? I don't know. It's like we were saying saying earlier about um, that you retain it better if you've got some reason to learn it in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not convinced that technical interviews are a good enough reason, but I'm sure there's some people who do retain it because they're like, oh, I really want to get this job, which is like very valid. And I know a lot of people use BaseCS for technical interviews, which is really interesting because that's not the reason I wrote it. And I can't tell people like use it for this reason or don't use it for that reason. Like if it helps you, that's really all I'm going for. But it's interesting that it has sort of it, it has been like something that has opened the door for people in terms of like technical interviews that require computer science knowledge. Oh, that was a very elegant answer to a very clumsy question. I'm very <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It took me a while to get there. <laughs> I think about this stuff a lot, um, but then I don't. My, my opinion on it changes over time, too, I think, like as I've seen, as I have gone through my career and as I've seen other people go through similar things, it's interesting to, you know, change my opinions as I experience new things with like academia and its ivory tower and then people who are entering the industry and remembering what it was like to be in their position like six, seven years ago. Um, so, you know, your your opinions change as you start to experience more things. So I don't get to talk about this as often. So it sometimes takes me a long time to 
get to what I'm trying to say because I'm like thinking through all the things that I've sort of amassed over the years. Well, I think it's good that you're uh, open to changing your opinion on things. That's uh, uh, a lot of people uh, often kind of just stick. Well, like the people in their ivory tower, I guess they stick with their <laughs> one idea and then they uh, just follow through with that yeah 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 there's definitely a philosophy of like it's always been this way so it must always be this way um and uh, as you may have been able to tell i do not subscribe to that (laughs) (laughs) right yeah i uh, that's something that kind of has made me a little not scared but like apprehensive of getting involved in cs is because it feels like that is kind of the a lot that is one of the reasons that a lot of people learn it is just to because it's going to be in an interview and then it's not going to be in your job. So it's like, why Why do I need to do this in my interview on a whiteboard <laughs> or something like that? Like, it just seems like a an odd hurdle to get over, to, to get some of these jobs where people, I, I'm, I'm come from, obviously come from the self-taught camp. So I'm one of those people that says, I'd rather just go in and show you what I can do than yeah. have to be able to do these certain things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like you should just be able to say, this is what I built and hire me based on what I've done and my potential to do so much more based on what you've seen. Yeah. And I was lucky that in the place I work at now that their hiring process kind of took that into account. It wasn't, I didn't really have any computer science questions, which could be a good or a bad thing. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I think there are a lot of companies that that don't do that, which is, which is really good. I feel like the trend, the trend is going in the right direction. It feels like at the moment, I mean, certainly everywhere, my my personal experience of of interviewing and applying for jobs, every, every time there's been a technical element, it's been relative, it's been quite closely tied to the work that's involved in the position, which I found very refreshing. I mean, you hear horror stories and I, yeah, I've not encountered it myself. And I feel like I'm hearing more people from like companies that sound like they're places you want to work saying, oh no, we actually, we want, we want to take this seriously and we want to find the best people for the role, not just the people who are best at like ticking off this pro forma list of key buzzwords. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I I think it is going in that direction and that makes me really happy because it's, it's going to be way, way more of a level playing field then. So you talked a little bit about like the, maybe some of the reasons behind why you started writing the base CS to, blog posts um and it sounded like that was kind of to help other people uh i guess some of that maybe you started off as well just to help yourself because i guess that that was a bit of a help writing it down yes yeah it was really just um for me (laughs) selfishly (laughs) um mostly because i didn't know that it was going to turn into what it turned into you know i didn't even know if anyone's going to read it um so i more started like I, I started the base CS journey because I wanted to learn these things and I needed a way to keep myself accountable. Um, and I do really well with like schedules and lists. So I was like, okay, I will just learn one new thing every week. That's not that hard. Just one new thing. And then I'm going to just write about it. Um, and that's all. That's all I'm going to do. And by the end of the year, I will have learned 52 new things and I will have written 52 things about it. Um, and so I think the consistency of it sort of got sort of helped with the readership but also I think there were not that many people who were approaching technical concepts with that kind of friendly accessible lens especially especially for computer science I think there are a lot of people who are doing like amazing um, cartoons and like zines and things for technical concepts but a lot of the times with computer science you will find like a couple a couple resources that do very, very basic things. But then as you get more and more advanced, it's hard to find 
a resource that continues to be accessible as it gets more advanced. Um, so I basically was like, I'm going to teach myself and I'm going to write it down. And maybe by the end, I'll have the resource that I wish existed one year ago. And it just so happened that there were other people who also wanted that resource. Um, and I think it, I guess it just caught the attention of a lot of people who who are, were looking for that resource that didn't exist. So really, it was just like the content I wanted that didn't exist. So I just decided to create it because <laughs> I was going to learn it anyway. So <laughs> I was like, why not yeah, write yeah. it down? <laughs> do you ever refer back to your own posts? <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. Um, I I will use it when I'm like, need to remember how something works. Um, I, I've like looked at my technical writing from five, six years ago, and it has come up when I'll Google something and the SE- somehow it has good SEO. So it'll be like the second post and I'm like, huh, look at that. <laughs> it's me from five <laughs> years ago. So glad I wrote this down. And so it's, it's like, it's one of the best things you can do for yourself because nobody can contain all that knowledge permanently it's going to leave your brain but if you write it down it's a little bit easier to refresh what it was that you learned and like the context behind it um so it's it is always there and you don't have to keep it in your brain ram memory permanently you always can like keep it externally uh, do you have yeah. any um did you pick up any tips or did you have any strategies for condensing these quite complex topics into something that you can write about and be able to present in that friendly voice. I mean, I imagine there's lots of other people who are listening to this who want to write more um, and sometimes are maybe daunted by the just the technicality of what they have to like, explain to, to get their point across. Yeah, I think with, with uh, technical content in particular, there's a lot of jargon, there's a lot of terminology, there's a lot of things you can throw around that make it sound like you know the thing, even when you don't. Um, and so I think what what really helped me is when I set in set about wanting to learn about a topic, like let's say Dijkstra's algorithm, that that post for some reason has done really well. <laughs> People really <laughs> want to know, um, and I also wanted to know what that algorithm was. And I would like read Wikipedia. I would read um, his. I read his paper on where he introduced the algorithm, and I was like, what on earth is this? I don't understand. Um, so my goal first when teaching when teaching myself anything is to strip away all the complexities and just try to get to the core of what something is. Um, so I was like, okay, it's just it's an algorithm to search through a graph and we're trying to find um, we're trying to get from point A to point B and like just strip away all the mathematical terms, all the terminology that's con- confusing and get to the heart of it. And then once you can get to that point, it's much easier to be able to explain it to someone because really what I was trying to do with my posts is explain it to someone, my past self, who didn't go through nine hours of watching like MIT courseware and reading all the articles and papers. And I just wanted them to not have to read that and still understand the core concept of what that thing was. So I think when it comes to technical writing, being able to explain something um, for what it is at the very bare bones without all the, you know, bells and whistles, that is going to make for more accessible content. Um, And there's like, there's a technique called the Feynman technique, which was created by Richard Feynman, where he basically like has this process of like, first, you know, uh, figure out what the topic is, scope it down, um, 
explain it to someone else, like explain it as if you were explaining it to a child. And anything you can explain, that's the thing you need to go learn more about. So it really helps you. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. Someone out there is going to be like, that's not the Feynman technique. But, <laughs> but I'm like paraphrasing what what, it, what yeah. I understood it to be. Um, and the idea is basically like keep looking for gaps in your understanding and try to fill those holes. And if you are relying on, you know, a formula or jargon or terminology and you're like, I can't explain this bare bones, that means that's the thing you need to learn more about. And so very quickly I would, you know, start to learn a topic and then I would be like, oh, but I don't actually know what binary search is. I can't write about this thing until I figure out what binary search is because that is the concept that's sort of powering this other thing I'm trying to learn, which is kind of nice because I started off Base CS not necessarily knowing which topics I would cover in what order. I just like had a list of 10 things and that list of 10 things probably multiplied into 50 or like 80 very quickly because in order to learn one thing, you need to know something else and that in itself can be a post. So I think really breaking it down into the building blocks will help if you're trying to do technical content because it's a very different beast than writing an academic paper or writing nonfiction or something like that. Like I think the principles of writing are the same, but like with technical content, it's very easy to write boring. Like there are many boring CS books out there and they're not super helpful for beginners. Wow. Yeah, that, that takes me back to my teaching days, actually, in that we kind of the idea is that if you can explain something really simply, then you actually you're going to understand that so much more than if you kind of just gloss over some stuff when you're explaining it and getting to the, like the core idea of what something is, is kind of the best way to learn something as well as teach it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's, it's a great way to pick it apart to demystify the what can be quite an intimidating sphere as well. You think, oh, computer science, that's where the neck pits live. And they're all really like, <laughs> they're, they're, they'll strike you down as soon as you make a single mistake. And But once you break it up into, you realize that you can traverse, <laughs> traverse is perhaps not the right uh, word, but you can go down the levels and get to the like the core building blocks and put them together. Um, just making, realizing that that's even possible and is within comprehension is a, is a really valuable outcome, I think. Yeah, it's a really good skill to have, too, because um, you are going to need to use it in your job when you are learning a new concept or trying to teach somebody else, like part of your domain who's maybe new to the team. Like very quickly, if they ask you a question and you can't answer it, that shows you you didn't actually know the deep like you didn't deeply understand how that thing worked. So being able to explain it to somebody else is a great indicator of your own understanding and it'll make you, you know, fill those gaps in and you will get better at it in the process. So I think looking back on some of the content I wrote many years ago for Base CS, it's, uh, it's interesting because I will look at it now and I'll be like, oh, I could say all this other stuff too now because I've gone back to those same concepts multiple times. And every time I revisit it, I have a deeper understanding to it. Um, so, you know, if I wrote Base CS now, it would be probably it would probably catch a lot of things I even missed at that point because that was my first introduction to it, right? So as you as you encounter a topic again and again, your understanding of it gets deeper and you will be even more well-equipped to explain it to somebody else. Mm. Well, will we get that? Will, will, we get a, will we get a base CS redux? <laughs> I was going to say, do you go back and edit them? Is that, uh, yeah. I have not been editing them just because it's so much content and... Sometimes I don't like it writing. Like, I don't like reading my own writing. Like, 
it's it's very painful for me because I'll go back and I'm like, oh God, why did I say this? Or I want to explain it differently. Um, but yeah, I do I do look at the content every once in a while, and you know, I, I bet there is an opportunity in the future to come back to it and like sort of revamp it and make the examples better and make the explanations even better. Hmm. I really like what you said about um, be applying the almost the techniques for learning uh, to the to the rest of your your day job. I think mean, you might you might not ever need to traverse a binary tree in your day job but you like the techniques that you pick up like the way of learning it and explaining it you are going to have to unpick complicated problems at some point you're going to have to explain those to colleagues and to clients and uh, it's yeah the valuable skills that you get from there's a lot you get from learning it that isn't actually the thing itself yes absolutely it's i would say the skill is more valuable than the content like <laughs> whatever computer science is like learn it or don't learn it but like learn how to learn learn how to teach yourself new things learn how to explain that to other people because that is nobody can take that away from you that is a skill you'll take from job to job you're not going to leave it at a different like you won't leave it at your previous role you if you leave if you leave tech, if you go into something else, you're still that always is going to stay with you. Like the, that is the skill that like all of us really should have because we're very lucky if we get to be lifelong learners. If, if you get to have a job where you just get to learn new things or teach it to other people, like that is a true joy to be able to do that. Um, so really embracing that and like taking it with you from from each role from each position as you grow in your career that like that's always going to stay that's always going to be steadfast and stay strong so I, I like that's that's like the thing that I would love people to take away is like learn computer science don't learn it but like know that you can go and learn something new and you will get through it you will come out the other side kind of so much more well equipped and like knowing that you have the grit to get through it um that's probably like the biggest lesson from BCS because like I went on and like learned new things after that. Like the other, I think two years ago. Oh, no, sorry. Last year. <laughs> all, my whole sense of time is all messed up because of this pandemic. <laughs> to me, it's still March. Yeah, I think it's um, <laughs> Everyone's is. Yeah. yeah. But last year I was like, oh, I want to learn distributed systems. So I went and learned that. And that's it's almost like you take computer science and turn it on its head. It's completely different. Because instead of dealing with like one machine, now you're dealing with who knows how many and it, things are very weird and you can't you can't make the same assumptions you would have in a single, you know, a single machine network. Um, so it's like, OK, go learn anything else new. Go learn front end. Go learn back end. Go learn how to be a good manager. Go learn how to, you know, write good documentation. But the point being that you can learn to do it. Yeah. You've picked up that skill of learning, which is going to be applicable everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And help you in so many ways. Ah. One of the one of the questions we heard was kind of was going to be where can people new to computer science go and learn it? Obviously, we'd suggest the Base CS podcast, and and maybe you wouldn't suggest going and tra trawling for nine hours trying to figure something out. <laughs> Are there, I don't know if there are any other other resources that you would have like while you were doing your research that you came across that were good. If pe maybe people wanted to do an even deeper dive into things that they come across. Yeah, I think. Um I really liked the MIT courseware videos. Um, they're kind of a time commitment. They're like often each lecture is like one hour long. Uh, but it is pretty cool to like if if you read a base CS post and there's M often what I'll do is every single post will have like a list of resources. And those are basically the resources I used when I was learning. Mm -hmm. um, so 
a lot of the times if you read BaseCS as a primer and look at those resources, if it's like a paper, if it's a lecture video, you can usually go watch those. And if you've read the primer, you have the you have the fundamentals and you will actually be well equipped to watch those videos because basically I did the inverse where I watched the video and distilled it down to the to the post. So if you read the post, you can go and re- watch the video and you'll probably know what they're talking about. Um, but yeah. I really enjoyed the MIT Courseware videos and yeah, there's the Base CS blog post and the videos also that I produced. Um, those are a little bit, they don't cover as much scope as the podcast and the written series. But if you really like visuals and audio, the videos might also be helpful. And there's a lot of like data structures, algorithm books out there too, if you want to go even deeper. Um, I know a lot of people like cracking the coding interview as well. Um, But that's, I think, geared more towards technical interviews and the questions that might come up in those. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Thank you very much. We'll make sure to put those in the show notes um, for our listeners. Sounds good. Fantastic. Um, I think we're kind of coming to the end. So um, we always have a final question for our li- for each of our guests, um, and that is three top tips for people changing career into development. I, I, you've given so many already. You might have <laughs> used, used some of them yeah, already. That's, like, that's the whole episode, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I hope I didn't like talk too much and wax poetic about learning because <laughs> I feel like sometimes I do. Oh, no, that. No, it's all good stuff. <laughs> Um, no, but I did write down my three tips. Um, it might be there. There might be a lot of overlap, but that's all right. No, that's fine. Yeah. Okay, so my top three tips for changing careers into tech um, are the following. So I would say, first and foremost, to be very clear on why you want to get into the field, um, and I say that because it's really important to figure out what you're excited about and what you want to learn more about. And it's going to make being able to answer those questions for yourself will make it easier to know what you want to learn, what to learn next, um, what jobs to apply for, what skills you need to pick up. And just generally, I think it sort of scopes down your career path. And I say this with the caveat that it is okay to change that later on. But when you're getting started, the list of things you could do is just so fast. Like, I know a lot of people who go into tech and they're like, oh, do I want to do design? Do I want to do product? Do I want to do backend? Do I want to work in DevOps? It's like, those are all valid things, but trying to do six of them at once is going to be hard and you probably won't do any of them well. So figure out what gets you excited and like make it, make, uh, make sure you're very clear what you're excited about and why you're going into it. Um, because that'll just like make it a lot easier initially. And you can always change your mind or pivot. People do it all the time. It's totally fine. So that's the first one. Um, the second, the second tip that I have is to just build a lot of things. I think people often forget how useful the practical experience of trying to solve a problem and get something to work. Like people forget how useful and how, Um, how important of a experience that process is. And I talked earlier in the show about having a motivating factor for learning something or doing something. So when you're building something, you might not necessarily, um, in in a different scenario, you might not have like 
gone and learned that thing or figured out how to make something work. But because it is the obstacle in building something, now you're like, okay, I have to get it to work because this is the only way to build this thing. I have to learn CSS and how to center this div because I want to build a thing and there's no way of me like getting around it. And then you'll sort of push yourself to do things you wouldn't have otherwise. And I also just think it's like super helpful for getting a job or for showing what experience and what potential you have. Um, because you can always point to the things you've built and say, hey, look, I did this. Like, look, you can see what I'm capable of doing and you should hire me to do that and pay me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my final tip is to write down what you want to learn and write down new things as you learn them. And like this is all just underscored by the fact that technical blogging and technical writing is super underrated and it is very, very good for your career. It's very, very good for your like for for distilling things that you learn and like really making sure you understand them and it'll help you down the road because in five years you'll go google something and you'll be like oh here's that post I wrote from five years ago <laughs> um personal experience folks i promise you it'll happen <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant thank you very much oh, they were fantastic well thanks a lot Vida for coming on the show it was fantastic to hear all your brilliant tips and kind of a little bit uh, fan moment for me <laughs> <laughs> hearing hearing you all all that time on BCS <laughs> and finally get to meet you it's fantastic so thank you thank you for spending your time to come and chat with us yeah thank you so much for having me i had a blast i really um i love getting to talk about this stuff and i, I feel like i don't get to talk about it on my, like on a daily basis so whenever i get to just nerd out about the process and like learning new things and all the stuff I've done basically in my career. It's like just a really fun conversation. So this is just such a treat. Thank you for having Excellent. me on. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot for listening to this week's episode of A Question of Code. And thanks again to Vidahi for coming on and chatting to us. Remember, you can always find us on Twitter at AQO Code. And you can find us online at aqoc.dev or aquestionofcode.com where you can find out all the information about how to get in touch with us and suggest topics for future episodes as well as future guests that we could have on as well. And we've got all, all of Vidahi's contact information in the show notes as uh, like the best place to get in touch with her and also the links to all her stuff, including the excellent base CS in all its forms, video, audio, text. Um, and thanks once again to Vidahi for joining us and be sure to tell your friends about the show and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.